Thank you, Ruthann. Thank you, Anita. Thinking about the future and <clears throat> being with the Lord. Until that time, we should be living as strangers and pilgrims on this earth, but anticipating what is coming in the future. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you loved us. You pursued humans down through the pages of history. You pursued us that we can call you Father. So we interact with several portions of Scripture this morning. We want to be hearers and doers of your word. For your glory, Father, we know that life isn't all about us. It's about the life we have in Christ as we live in dependency upon him. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Here's a $50 bill. It is genuine. If you are under 18, would you consider for the next month parting with the use of the computer, TV, DVDs, and 90% of your music for $50. Kelsey has her hand up back there <laughs> with a little help from Dad. But think about it. What motivates us in life? I'm not going to part with the $50 at this point in time. But what motivates us in life to live and to respond in certain ways? Many times you, we have heard the statement that money speaks. Money does talk to some people. Other people may be led by success, what that may look like. Others may be just sensitive to Christ day by day, allowing him to guide and direct us. They're a husband or a wife or father or mother or a child or employer or employer and so on. Are you as a student willing to face rejection due to your position on how the earth came into existence? Or how the universe came into existence? Are you willing to give up hours a day, maybe with music or TV, to memorize some scripture and to read scripture? Will you remain in a difficult relationship to serve rather than walk away? Are you willing to make long-term commitments? The call of Jesus to discipleship is radical. It's a radical relationship because we're dealing with one who is like no other person who has ever lived or is living or will live in the future. His character, his identity, his being as God's son is affirmed by his life, his rejection, his death, and his resurrection. We want to read through Mark 8 again this morning, 31 to chapter 9 and verse 1. And it's in the context of Peter saying, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. 
And the view of the Messiahship for the disciples was a king, someone who's going to rule and reign and will get to rule and reign and things are going to be nice. And Jesus corrects that and says, no, the Messiah is the one who is going to suffer many things. He's going to be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law. He's going to be killed and then he's going to rise the third day. Verse 31 of Mark 8. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this idolatrous and sinful generation. The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. the one who has been demonstrating his deity, the one who has been healing, the one who has been teaching, the one who has been performing miracles, rebukes Peter. And then he gives an invitation. If anyone would come after me, a choice, let him deny himself. Let him renounce himself. Let him give up living about self. And rather... Be concerned about Christ. Let him deny himself, take up his cross. And taking up the cross is a willingness to embrace that which comes because one is walking with Christ. That may be rejection by someone because you choose sexual purity. That may be the loss of a job because you choose to be honest in the job and will not cheat for someone else. Take up the cross and follow Christ. And the idea of following Christ is a call to be with him, to experience him in life 24-7. Keep in mind that he is speaking to the crowd. The 12 disciples would have been in the crowd. They would have heard what he is, being say, what he is saying. If we're going to follow Christ, we need to be willing to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Christ. The Roman believers who would be hearing the book of Mark. They were going through severe persecution. They would have heard that Messiahship and following Christ involves suffering things, being rejected, dying, and ultimately in the future coming from the dead. And as they had someone in their fellowship of believers to go to Nero's garden to light it, or to lose their possessions, they would have to stop and think, you know, we're being identified with Christ through what we're experiencing. We are his followers. 
and it would have been an encouragement to them. And Jesus amplifies denying self, taking up cross, and following Christ by saying in verse 26, or verse 35, I'm sorry, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this idolatrous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. We want to think about the phrase, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. See, keepers are losers. And losers are keepers. He begins the statement in verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Again, this is in the context of the 12 and the crowd hearing this. The 12 would have left their business to follow Christ. The Roman believers who would be reading or hearing the book of Mark were going through persecution. They had chosen not to save their life, but to lose it for Christ and for the gospel, and they would be saving it. What does the word life refer to? It's talking about physical existence and more, you know, our physical life. But it goes beyond that. It involves the personhood, our being, the soul, the core of one's existence. The twelve are hearing this. The crowd is hearing it. The Roman believers are listening it to being read. They're thinking about their lives, physical lives, but also their being, their soul, the core of their existence. Life is not limited by the boundaries of time and space. It would involve the attitudes, the motives, the desires, the beliefs. Life, physical, yes, but who you are as a person, as a being. Jesus is saying discipleship is not a both and choice, both Christ and their own lives. Rather, discipleship involves an either-or choice. The claim of Christ is a total and exclusive one. The whole person stands under Christ's claim. There is no secular. There is no sacred. If anyone will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now think about the context to the believers to whom this was written. The Roman believers in Rome. And this is read some time when they're coming together. And they listen to the passage and they think, oh, yeah. 
Rick was sacrificed to the lions. Travila lit Nero's garden a couple weeks ago. Bill lost all his retirement. All of this because of Christ. And they hear the words, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Ah, oh, Rick saved his life even though he lost it. Travila saved her life even though she lost it. Bill saved his eternity even though it looks like he lost it. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Just to look at some examples of those who were willing to be losers, to be keepers. The book of Hebrews is basically centered in Christ is better than Moses, Aaron, the prophets. He's better than the Old Testament system of sacrifice. And also tied in with that is true believers will persevere. And in chapters 9 and 10, he has talked about Christ and what we have in Christ and the response of that. And then he goes into chapter 11. And in chapter 11, I think we have God's hall of fame, if you please, those who live by faith, those who were losers in this world's point of view, but keepers. Chapter 1 of Hebrews 11. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. If you go back and study Genesis chapter 4, the account of Cain and Abel, we find that Abel's offering was accepted and was commended because he followed God's pattern for worship. He became a loser. He laid aside what he thought might be the pattern for worship and followed God's pattern. Cain became a keeper. I will worship the way I want. And he became a loser. By faith, in verse 5, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch, in light of the text of Genesis, was one who walked with God along with Hebrews chapter 11. One who was willing to be a loser, to be a keeper. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his life. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now think about Noah. It would seem to be that before the flood came, there was no rain. And God said to Noah, I want you to build an ark. 
and apparently worked at this for 120 years. And when it came time for the flood, we know that there were only eight righteous people. Righteous people probably haven't died just shortly before the flood. Again, the text does not tell us what happened with Noah, what unbelievers said to him, and so on. But the text clearly says, by faith. God, you want me to build a big boat? I want you to build an ark. Here's the dimensions. Why, God? Seems absurd. It seems stupid. In holy faith, he built an ark. A loser who became a keeper. Those that were unbelievers who were keepers became losers. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, being called by God while he is in what modern-day Iraq. Go to land that I will show you, but God, where am I to go? I will show you. But God, where am I to go? I will show you. By faith. Well, God, I'm going to leave many things behind. By faith. God, how about all this? By faith. Abraham became a loser to become a keeper. He journeyed to land that he didn't know where he was going. The text of Hebrews clearly says he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Skipping down to verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he or when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Children of Israel are in Egypt. They remain there for some 400 years, but yet Joseph in faith was confident that God was going to deliver. Joseph, with his life, a loser who became a keeper. By faith, Moses... Moses' parents hid him from, for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king, king's edict. Pharaoh had said the Hebrew children are to be killed. What did they do? They took their baby Moses and his mother made a basket for him and put him in the river with his sister to watch him. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Losers who became keepers. Skipping down to verse 32. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Again, another group of losers who became keepers. Jesus gives the invitation if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then he amplifies that. He says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. I want you to hear that as the Roman believers would have heard it. Rick's gone. And the rest of us are encouraged. And Travail is gone. And Bill and Jane lost their retirement. What an encouragement that was to them. Here's some people that are losers. but they're keepers. The twelve, as they heard it, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Let's think about a couple applications for living today. Are you willing to live in physical harm's path for the sake of the gospel. We in America rarely live in physical harm's path for sake of the gospel. But still posing the question, are we willing to do that? This morning, as I was coming down to the church at about 6 o'clock, I heard about, a, heard about a minute of news. And they mentioned about the pastor, the Iranian who came to this country and earned his citizenship. And he would occasionally go back to Iran to minister for Christ there. And the last time he went back to Iran, they would not let him leave the country. They put him in prison and basically on trial because of his faith in Christ. The twelve had already been told to some extent that you can expect rejection, you can expect persecution. 
can expect death. The Roman believers who heard this, some of them would have already been through it. And they would have been hearing, we're identified with Christ. We may be losing in this world, but we're keeping in eternity. Shifting gears a little, are you willing to live in social harm's way, maybe I should say society's harm's way, for the sake of Christ? Are you willing to be rejected due to your position on creation, life, and marriage? in gentleness and humility and in grace, in the course of a conversation that has come up at school or on the job, you share that you believe the universe was created by God. And some other students or coworkers say, ha, that's a big joke. It evolved. What's your opinion? No, I base what I believe on Scripture. Oh, you're one of those people that think that life begins at conception. If you want to believe that way, that's your prerogative. But I don't want to hang around with you. Are we willing to be rejected due to standing pure sexually? For those of you who are 20 or under, I'll start there. When there's pressure on you by a guy or a gal to become involved sexually, whether mentally or physically, outside of the bonds of marriage, are you willing to say, no, I'm a child of Christ. I'm willing to be a loser to keep Christ's testimony in my purity. For God's glory. If any man is willing, if any woman is willing, no, to save his life, he'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for me in the gospel will save it. I think that's some of the outworking of that in the world in which we live. Loss of a job due to an unwillingness to lie or cheat or whatever it may involve. The boss says, this is what you must do. But it's, it's not right. It's deceptive. You must do it. I can't. I'm a follower of Christ. Well, if you won't do it, then I want you to know that your walking papers are being given to you today. a willingness to be a loser, to be a keeper. A willingness to face rejection due to not desiring the world's movies, the media. I can remember very distinctly years ago in the college that I was in and some of the people that I was interacting with. Well, Dan, did you? They went on to share some things. I said, no, I'm not interested in that. I really don't want to go down that road. Oh, come on, it's going to be a lot of fun. No, I don't want to go down that road. What happened? Well, if you don't want to go down the road with us, 
then we'll just back away from you. So you see them in the see them in the future. Hi, how are you doing? You get a very half-hearted hi. Ties in with what I mentioned before, a willingness to sacrifice sexual purity to keep a so-called friendship. Now that's being a keeper. You know, the other side of the coin, you become a loser. How? Sacrifice my sexual purity so that I can keep a friendship. And the process loose. Loneliness due to concern for the eternity, not here and now. If you stop and think about the world in which we live, a lot of people live for the here and now. Just the here and now. And we live in the here and now. We have to process money. We have to process jobs. We have to deal with relationships. But responding to them in light of the fact that Christ is our life and responding accordingly. You mean to say that you give $5,000 to the Lord's work last year? You're stupid. I'll be stupid in this life to be a keeper later on. Loneliness because people just can't always relate to how you live and how you respond. Hours a day on a computer with games, media, texting, with maybe seconds for scripture. Saying, I want to be a keeper. I want to do what I want to do in the computer. I want to do what I want to do with the games. I want to do what I want to do with the media. I'm not concerned about Christ being my life and how he might want me to respond to that. And I'm not knocking all computer, all media, and so on. I'm just saying, Christ, what does he say about it? How does he want me to live? How does he want me to respond? And we could give many other examples in daily life, of whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. James, the great, was murdered. And the one who accused James came to him as James was about to lose his life and said, I'm sorry for betraying you. And he said, I take a stand for Christ. And James and the man who would have betrayed him were both beheaded at the same time. Philip was scourged, thrown in the prison, and afterward crucified. Matthew was slain with a spear and battle axe. James the less, for making a distinction, when he was 94, was beaten stone by the Jews and finally had his brains dashed out with a fuller's club. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Andrew was crucified on a cross. 
Mark was dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria. Peter was crucified with his head down. And we could go on with others that were willing to physically lose their life to keep it. The call of Jesus, if any man will deny himself, or many, if any man will choose to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me in the gospel will keep it. Think about Hebrews 11. Think about Jesus' invite to following him. Think about saving life but losing it, but losing life to keep it. How has the Lord spoken to you this morning? If he has, will you respond? With those thoughts in mind, we want to sing together 